Hello, and welcome to the Elk River Lutheran Church Powered by Love podcast, recorded in beautiful downtown Elk River, Minnesota, right on the banks of the Mississippi River. Today we'll explore the Bible, life, and faith. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some sacred wit. To be powered by love is a spiritual thing, more than a feeling. To be powered by love Don't take money Don't take fame Don't take no credit card To ride this train It's strong and sudden It's cruel sometimes But it might just save Your life To be powered by love Well, as I said, we're wrapping up This picture-perfect family idea And we are doing so with the theme, what is in focus? Because if you look at family photos, uh, photographers take pretty good care to make sure what you want to see is in focus. But then there's always, always some other things going on in these photos in life as well. And I've got this idea that what we're looking for can shape what we see. I see this to be true in the photos that I look at, like old photos. If I look at, even if there is someone right at the center of the photo, you sometimes find yourself looking at some of the things that are out of focus and around the photo as well, especially with older photos. So I got one to share here with you as an example of this from me in my youth. This is me. Looking pretty good, right? Uh, this is 1997, me uh, getting ready to head off to prom in my rented tuxedo from Zips and Minot and uh, ready to go dance the night away. Uh, and so I'm in the focus of the picture, right? It's a picture of me, but there's a lot of other things going on in this photo as well. And when I look back at it, uh, I don't really look so much at myself as I look at what else is going on and what you're looking for might kind of shape that. For example, if you are a car person or even not, you probably notice the big huge right there, 1986 Chevy Camaro that I drove in high school and college. Uh, a funny car that was not great in North Dakota or Minnesota winters, uh, but it was super fun. Uh, if you're a car person, you maybe even see the tail end of a 1976 Dodge Custom pickup that we had as well. That's what we used to put a pickup camper on and go camping, and then later it became a fuel truck, and then later got retired in its old age, but there it is. And even behind that, a car guy might recognize even what kind of car that is, a 1952 Chevy, uh, the nose of a Chevy. It had a straight six and a three on the tree transmission. Uh, my brother was restoring it at the time, so that's in the picture. And this is what I'm saying. If you're looking for old cars, that's probably what you'll see in this picture. You won't notice my cool sunglasses or slicked back hair. Uh, likewise, if you're looking for farm, you can see this is a picture taken on the farm I grew up on. There's farm stuff in this photo. There are grain bins and augers and an old disc cedar. If you're looking for farm, you can even see the grain growing in the background, the golden waves of grain. If you're looking for farming, you can see farming in this photo too. Likewise, another funny thing, if you grew up in the country or uh, had lived country life at some point, you might recognize those barrels there. Anyone know what those barrels are for? Burning garbage. Right next to them is a jug of diesel. We'd throw the garbage bags in there, dump some diesel, light it up. 
It was an old-fashioned incinerator, you know? Uh, and so that's how he did. So if you know that, that's maybe what you noticed from this photo as well. This is what I'm saying. What you're looking for can shape what you see when you're looking at a photo. Here's another example of this. Uh, I'll start off with a poll here. Uh, raise your hand if you see a bird right away when you see this. Okay, raise your hand if you see a bunny rabbit instead. Okay, uh, a little bit of a mix because this is one of those ambiguous photos that, yeah, it's a rabbit, yeah, it's a bird. And so if I was, for example, telling a story about a bird uh, and then put this photo up, probably everyone would be looking for and expecting to see a bird. Likewise, if I'm telling a story about little bunny foo-foo hopping through the forest and put this photo up, be like, oh yeah, no, that's a rabbit. What we're looking for can shape what we see. This is, this is what I'm coming to. And so what I want to think about is this idea of what we're looking for, not just in light of old photos or current photos, but what we're looking for in life as well. Because what we're looking for in life can actually shape what we see and how we experience the life that we're living and the life that we have lived. Uh, one of the ways that we could uh, simplify this is to look at life as both negative and positive experiences. And what I've learned in studying is that uh, humans, all of us as humans, we have what scientists call, what psychologists call a negativity bias. We're really good at noticing and holding on to negative things, whether that's an insult or a bad experience. Uh, we're really good at holding on to those things. Uh, here's what this uh, professor from Stanford University, uh, Laura Carson, said. She said, we tend to notice negative more than positive, and that has evolutionary roots. She goes on to use the example of like, it was important for us as humans through history to pay more attention to the lion in the bush than the pretty flowers on the side of the path, right? One could lead to our death and destruction, so you better notice and remember that. The other just smelled nice and was nice to look at, right? And so that negativity bias, it has served us well in our past, but now a lot of times we can get so caught up in the negative, those things stick to us in ways that the positive things in life don't always stick. Uh, and so another... Uh, a psychologist, Dr. Rick Hansen, he gives this the name Velcro and Teflon theory, uh, basically saying that those negative things, they're like Velcro, they stick, right? Uh, the negative things that we experience, an insult sticks so much more than a compliment, which is like Teflon and just kind of slides right off. We hear it, we absorb it, but then that's not what we're thinking about right before we go to bed that night. Whereas if there's an insult that really hits you to the core, you remember that. It just sticks. That's this negativity bias in action. It's true of insults and compliments, but it's also true of just our life experiences. As we look at the lives we're living, we can either focus on those negative things. That's where our brains will bring us and want us to go, but it takes some more intentionality to focus on the positive things or to put the language of faith on it, the blessings of life. To focus on those takes some intentionality. Otherwise, our brains are just too quick to let those things go. So here's what this Dr. Hansen says. He says, to absorb a positive experience, a, a, a piece of praise or comment from someone, you need to focus on it for at least 15 seconds. If you do not focus on the positive, it won't stick. 
is this tracking? Have you experienced this? Like, it, you know, those negative things just automatically stick. We don't have to work hard to remember the hard things we've gone through or the negative, nasty things people have said to us. Those stick pretty good. But it takes some intentionality to pause and reflect, to absorb compliments, to remember really wonderful, excellent things from our lives. We have to work to hold on to those things, to lift up the blessings that are there. Both are there for everyone in life, negative things and positive things. But we have to work harder to hold on to the positive. Um, this is, I think, in some ways related to what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 7, those verses uh, we just read. He says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. So when we hear Jesus say these words, uh, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine, the question then would be like, what are these words that he's talking about? And if you go back in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7, go and read those sections before and those chapters before, what Jesus is talking about is the importance of focusing on what really matters in life. To not get caught up in the frivolous details or those hardships or negative experiences, but rather to focus on what really matters and is life-giving. That's what he's encouraging. And he says when you do that, it's like you've built your house on a rock. Interestingly enough, he does say that storms will still come, right? It's not a total, uh, a total defense against anything negative ever happening in life. He says, no, the floods will still come. The winds will blow. The uh, beat on the house, the floods come. Like, that will still happen. Negative things will still come our way. But we'll be ready to face them if we're built upon the rock, if we are trusting and looking for those blessings and trusting that, you know, we're not facing these things alone, but that there are blessings even in the midst of the really hard things of life. I think this is a hugely helpful awareness in life, to know that uh, the blessings are there, but sometimes we have to work to see them and hold on to them. I think this is true for all of us as individuals. As we look at our lives, as we look at back at old photos or look back at a year past, I think it's true for us as individuals, and I think it's true for us as a church. I've been thinking as we prepared the annual report for our annual meeting next, year, uh, next week about this past year, and there were some really challenging things that happened in this last year for us as a church, and yet there are some real blessings as well. And so I want to lift up and celebrate just some of these really things that I'm really thankful for, some of the positive things that, you know, had some challenges, but there are some really cool things. And so, uh, first of all, it's hard to believe that just a year ago we were worshiping only online. We weren't gathering in this space at all. That was just last year at this time. And over the last year, in 2021, we worshiped indoors and outdoors, online, and, uh, you know, that online worship outdoors, it was wild. What I realized was uh, it was kind of hard when we started doing just online worship in 2020. It was way harder when we learned to do hybrid worship where we were in person and online, and we needed new technology, new equipment, and new know-how, and a lot of help. Uh, the staff worked really hard on it, but we had volunteers showing up every day to set up staging, to set up sound equipment. 
to run the sound equipment and the online broadcasts. None of it just happened. It still doesn't just happen today. It only happens because of all the people volunteering and making it happen and because people show up. People show up online. You all braved the cold to come here today. Uh, you're tuning in online from all over the place. Uh, during drive-in church, we shivered in cold days and sweated on hot days and Yet we worshiped together. It wasn't easy, but it was amazing that that happened, that we did that. On Christmas, we did five services over a number of days and had over 300 people come to those services. We had many more join us online, and it was amazing to be back in person to worship together, both in person and online. I'm just so grateful that's been able to happen, and it's continuing to happen and being even expanded now as we have uh, hired Nick, who's here this morning, uh, getting trained in, learning the ropes, and he's going to be our online broadcast specialist so that we can start broadcasting not just this service, but also the 8.30 service as well. So we're excited to welcome Nick into that role and expand the way we worship and experience this worship life together. So it's, it's, it's an exciting exciting time. There's challenges, but there's so many amazing positives that came out of that time. That's, I think, what I'm trying to get at. Uh, the other thing that I just loved about this past year was the way that we found new, more pandemic-friendly ways to engage our downtown community. Things that I would have never ex- believed, like uh, we had fire dancers and a magician on the stage. At Elk River Fest, we hosted the family stage. So rather than having the bounce house and having you know, uh, some of the things that we've done before, We hosted this stage with really amazing, fun entertainers and tons of families and kids gathered around the church for this big event. And then we did the Trunk or Treat event where we've moved that indoors for a number of years because it's really nice, but it just happened that we had a beautiful weather night and thousands of kids and families showed up to get many, many pieces of candy. And so uh, there's Easton and Taylor handing out candy. Uh, It was just such an amazing thing. Both of those experiences were just these reminders that, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, We are still this active, vibrant church, even though for uh, a time we kind of shut down and weren't able to do as much in the community, we can still be core and central to what's happening in Elk River. It's really a fun way to live that out and practice it. Finally, the last thing I want to highlight about last year was just a word of generosity. Uh, There was so much generosity in giving to support the church and beyond. Uh, Giving to the church, giving to our building fund as we prepare for some building projects in 2022, and giving to CARE, our food shelf, and a number of other organizations. These numbers just kind of blow me away. Uh, $21,000 to CARE, our local food shelf. I mean, how about that, right? It's amazing. Uh, We gave four $4,500 to Lutheran World Relief to help with COVID relief around the world, to help with vaccinations and treatments of people globally. $2,300 to other nonprofits, as well as another $36,000 to the Minneapolis Area Synod, uh, which does great work in the Twin Cities, but a good portion of that also goes on to our other ELCA work, our missionaries and programs supporting people around the world. I mean, it was an amazing amount of generosity that in total, uh, just under $65,000 went to ministries beyond our walls. I love Elk River Lutheran Church. I care deeply for this place in our ministries, but I love the way that we're supporting other organizations that are helping meet people where they are, meeting their real immediate needs. And so thank you for that generosity. 
I love looking back at the year in this way. You know, we can acknowledge that, yeah, maybe some storms, some challenges, some bumps along the way. There absolutely have been. And yet when I really pause to think about it and I look back at some of these photos and remember some of the times of, yeah, setting up stage in a 90-degree morning when it's like 8 o'clock. How can it be this hot? Uh, There was challenges, but, man, we did it. It's amazing to think about. And this is my encouragement for all of us in this new year is how can we think about the ways we can, I guess to use computer language, how can we hack our negativity bias and instead pause? We don't have to work hard to hold on to those negative things. Those will hold on just fine. But how can we work extra hard to hold on to the positives, to hold on to the blessings that are there? Because we know that there are blessings there. Sometimes, We just have to be looking for them. And when we're looking for them, we're just all the more likely to see them. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us. You can find more information about Elk River Lutheran Church at our website, elkriverlutheran.org. And if you'd like to give to support this podcast and the other ministries of the church, just click that Give button at the top of the homepage. Thanks again, and have a great week. Don't take money, don't take fame, but it might just save your life to be powered by love.